You're listening to the World Famous White Roof Radio, with guest number 544 for Monday, March 16th, 2015. Tonight, brought to you by CravenSpeed.com, MotoringStripes.com, and OutMotoring.com. Mini performance, speed, and style, that's OutMotoring.com. Hey everybody, it's DB in Arizona bringing you a brand new episode of the World Famous White Roof Radio. Talking about Mini Coopers for you on a Monday night like we like to do. Going to be a really fun show tonight as we've got some special guests joining us. But let's go first with our man Todd uh, over there on the uh, Kansas City. Todd, say hi. In flyover land. In flyover land. Motoringstripes.com, of course. New countryman stuff. Go check it out. Motoringstripes.com. Uh, the chief mechanic, the good reverend, Chad Miller from Detroit Tune. DetroitTune.com is with us this evening as well. Chad, say hi. Hello, everybody. Oh, God, you sound so good. It must be that new internet. It is. It's the new internet. It's keeping us uh, silky smooth. <laughs> nice. I like it. Alex is joining us from Boston as well. Alex, say hi. Hey, guys. How are you doing? And he doesn't sound like Peter Brady. And as a special treat from the Motor Trend Podcast, as we have, we're joined tonight by Sean Myers and Charlie Vogelheim. Did I say that right? Oh, you did, yeah. Yes. Uh, again, from the Motor Trend podcast, uh, and they're going to hang out with us and cover news. We're going to talk about cars and junk with these guys. Gentlemen, say hi. Hey, how's it going? Hello, Radio World. <laughs> it's good. Anybody who hasn't listened to uh, the Motor Trend podcast, go check it out at iTunes. It's a lot of fun. Um, these guys are great guys, and, and we're here to hang out with them tonight and talk cars and especially minis. Yes, Making us blush there. Nicely done. And we're not going to talk about... I'm really sorry, but we're not going to talk about Airstream trailers. We're not going <laughs> to um, the island of New Zealand or uh, any of the Hobbit movies. Thank you. Thank you for that. I'm really I'm sure is very sad that right now. I feel complete now. There you go. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so what we do is we talk about news from motoringfile.com, and then we're going to do that before we do get started with any further anything further. Is, uh, let's remind you guys about one of the fine sponsors here underneath the white roof, uh, our friends over at OutMotoring. OutMotoring.com, you guys know these guys. I talk about them every week. You guys go there anyway, but just in case... I want you to go there. It's the Mini Cooper Parts Superstore. Anything for your Mini. doesn't matter if it's an interior, exterior, go fast bits, look cool. You want to put stuff on your body, hats, shirts, watches, shoes. You need tools. You need car care products. Make sure your car's nice and clean. The snow's melting and you're getting ready to flood. As soon as the floods dry up, you're going to want to wash your car. Outmotoring.com can take care of all that for you. When you're there, I want you to scroll down to the bottom. I want you to make sure you sign up for the email newsletter. When you do, you will get your own 5% discount coupon. It's like once a month. And it's the only email, email you get. It's like an email once a month. It's not spam or anything like you know, sign up for Old Navy and you get like 17 emails a day. No, you only get like one email a month. Super awesome. And they give you a code to save 5% on anything that you buy over at outmotoring.com. Uh, I've just bought some stuff. It was awesome. And if you do go over and you place an order, what I'd like you to do is there's a comment field there. I want you to make sure that you say, thanks for supporting White Roof Radio. We really appreciate that. So do they. That, of course, our friends over at Outmotoring, outmotoring.com, mini performance speed and gas lid cover, Paul Smith style Gen 3. That's outmotoring.com. Did DB just out himself as an old Navy shopper? <laughs> I did. <laughs> yes. I, really did. I think he did. I'm looking, but I'm looking at this Paul Smith um, gas lid cover, and it looks like somebody yarn bombed a uh, gas lid. <laughs> Dude, it's the it's the it's the Paul Smith, you know, signature, the the multicolor. And I know what it is, but it looks like still looks like somebody yarn bombed it. Yeah. But uh we could probably talk about that forever, but we're not going to. Yeah, let's talk about minis. My show, if you please. Boom. Yeah. Anyway, so we're uh, we're looking at motoringfile.com and we're 
scrolling down to, I think, the one where Gabe's got his car parked up like a dune buggy. So It looked like a Land Rover ad to me is what it looked like, right? <laughs> it's up with the Mini Cooper. So G- Gabe has been driving around in his F-56, the, the, the press car that he got. Um, and he's really he's lamenting the fact that it's got, first of all, it's got the tiny 60-inch tires on it, wheels. Um, and he also got a car that had uh, summer tires in the dead of a Chicago winter. Uh, which is uh, uh, not good, and uh, it's funny because the headline kind of made you think, you know, there'd be more danger and peril uh, in it. And having uh, having been someone who has driven performance summer tires in the winter, and Chad, I'm sure you probably have too. You know, yeah. maybe it didn't change them soon enough. I can speak to the um, uh, the effects of that when you lose complete grip on dry streets on dry pavement. Because it's cold and the and the tires don't stick, so um, yeah, I'm sure it wasn't fun for Gabe in Chicago on summer tires this winter. Oh, but I was, I was no, but more you know what I think is interesting the the motoring uh, advisors should advise their customers a little more on what is actually coming because you know I bought mine with summer performance tires and I never even knew it was like eh, I might get it in the winter, you know. Like, it, and the funny they, thing is, they Chad didn't is even I, question what I ordered or why I ordered it or anything. It was like, hey, well, maybe you should order the all seasons because <laughs> are you, is this going to be your only tire? Because these aren't good in the snow. Yeah. Nobody it's, said a single thing. And again, this was 2003. It was new company. Everything's starting up. But nowadays, you know, your motoring advisors can, sh- should kind of know depending on your you know geographical location. It's like, are you sure you want that tire? Well, in theory, we say this. In theory, yes, that right. would be good. But I also guarantee that not everybody uh, driving around in a Mini, if you ask them, what kind of tires are on your car? You're going to get a blank stare nine out of ten times. They're going to go, uh, round ones? They're black? <laughs> they have usually run flats? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, most likikely. You know, they yeah, will, they're they will, all run flats. That's what people will say. They're, oh, oh, I've got almost run flats. all run flats. Well, now it's a no charge option to. Uh, it always it, it has been for quite some time uh, to go with non run flats. Um, I want to say two three years on minis. You've been able to get them with a no cost. And and speaking of of non run flats, um, Sean, you're the one with the with the GP two, right? Exactly. I had to uh, t- to go ahead and sign the uh, the release form when I, I picked it up, uh, stating that uh, I understood what the tires meant in certain temperatures. So right. And how how many miles have you put on the tires? Do you still have the original those uh, race slicks on there? Um, I'm actually on my second pair, but that's mostly because I've I've tracked it a couple times up at uh, Thunder Hill and down at Laguna Seca. But uh, uh, yeah, not not a lot of uh, issues with cold weather here in, yeah. in sunny San Francisco. Well, unless you do a lot of night driving, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Excellent. The, the cable car rails really chill it down. Yeah. <laughs> we just all we do is reenact Bullet. I mean, that's like fifty percent of our show. <laughs> Who wouldn't? I mean, really? Come on. We've never actually been to San Francisco. That's 100 percent true. Most people that drive around San Francisco are just reenacting bullet everywhere they go. Not really, I'd be, because I'd be throwing hubcaps out the window just to try and do it. No kidding, DB. We drove in San Francisco. Literally, we know that's not true because I I doubt if you get much over about four miles an hour driving in that city. <laughs> Ruining it for everybody, man. Once again, going back to night driving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, see, everybody drives around San Francisco like they're in the movie Bullet. If you don't know what we're talking about. You just need to go to YouTube and search for Bullet B U L L I T T. 
And if really, you don't know what Bullet is, you don't know what Bullet is, you shouldn't be listening to this show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you shouldn't be listening to this show in the first place. You're not yeah, a- we just spent five minutes on tires. I, they've probably seen Bullet. <laughs> <laughs> One likes to think. I'm going to actually send that over to the uh, Facebook uh, page right now. Well, yeah, there it is. Turn oh. <laughs> it over. Well, you know, the game there is, again, count the hubcaps. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Or every time you see a hubcap, drink. Or when Just flying off and rolling, to driving, you know, rolling <laughs> through the So I'm looking at a uh, Gabe's photo so, yeah. here of this uh, this teetering mini, and I'm just wondering, you know, it's pretty far off the ground. How how does that comfort access work uh, w- with it so far? <laughs> it's probably from, easier uh, from standing position. It's probably to- totally works, no problem. <laughs> yeah, according to Gabe, he gets it to work every time. But he's got he's so magnetic, you know. I'm sure it, you know, his whole body acts as an antenna for that radio frequency. <laughs> No, but he's, he's, uh, Gabe is very tall, so even if you have the car, you know, uh, you know, elevated, <coughs> elevated, you know, compared to him, he can still rub himself against the door to open it. So it's always fine. <laughs> that's that's biomechanics at its best. <laughs> I mean, the car could be upside down and it'll probably still open. <clears throat> probably Maybe. will. Well, and you know what's fun? I'm going to give a plug to our buddy Mike Marzo in Philadelphia, um, who works there with Helix. He has a thing now where he codes minis and, uh, and changes the codes. And when he was coming through last year on his way to uh, Mini Takes Estates, he stayed at our house and coded my GP to where now I've got uh, the Euro Flash, which is a quick three flash, which is kind of cool, instead of just the pulsing US flash. And from the key fob, I can roll up my windows by just holding it down and uh, holding the lock down, and yeah. it will roll my windows up from a distance. Oh, and, that's how you keep the Huns at bay, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> But uh, um, yeah, it's and and speaking of you know comfort access and those things, it's interesting the number of features that are available on minis throughout the world that are disabled in the U.S. And those are a couple of them. Like you could close your sunroof on cars, you can program it to do that from the fob instead of just open. Because in the U.S., we're only offered the option to let the heat out of your car, right, um, and not smash children's hands um, between the the closing window, right, right, key fob, right, so. right. Because we're safety conscious here in the United States. Yeah. So anyway, if you get a chance to see Marzo at the Dragon or any place else, ask him to code your mini. There's some cool stuff that can be done. Like at the Philly member meeting coming up where Todd will be putting stripes on cars later. We'll talk about that more later. March 28th. There you go. So I think we're going to have to have at least six months. And Alex, you said this a couple months ago. Until we have a full six months under, you know, under the belt of, of selling these new cars, we won't really know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, we're getting there. It's uh, it's still uh, only a couple of months of straight sales uh, that we've had. Um, but so far, the the F56 and the F55, especially the F55, are to are to uh, off to a strong start. Uh, and so, what we know for the first time, for the very first time, is that the uh, the four door the F55 makes up about forty percent of all our top sales. And since the US is Mini's biggest market. My assumption is that it's pretty much the same ratio uh, in the U.S. So for people who are wondering, you know, how much uh, fa- uh, four doors mini was selling, I think it's about you know forty percent of all the cars that uh, of all the art art tubs that have been uh, out, uh, you know, since uh, since the car was released. I think it was back in November or December. I think it was November, right? Yeah, it was a it was a quiet release too. And what do you guys from Motorsman think of the uh, the new four door <laughs> four door mini? Um, I'm I'm a big fan. I mean, we've kind of waited for this car for a while. I was a huge fan of the original Clubman, you know. So this is kind of the the new version of that, and I kind of miss that form factor. But um, 
You know, especially here in, in San Francisco, again, we've got a ton of just small parking spaces, small cars. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of people who don't want to go to a countryman size who want the ability to have five doors. And, uh, you know, it kind of fills that niche and, and people like it. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's selling uh, it's selling well <clears throat> so far. Not as good as I thought it would, but I think it's been just a little bit of a a slow start. And I know here in the Midwest, I mean, sales in general have been sluggish. And everywhere that it's cold, um, and Alex can speak to that of Mister 109 inches of snow in Boston over the winter. Uh, I think people are just now starting to see things like this and go, oh, let me go look at this. And, you know, all the all the car shows are making the rounds in the country. We just had ours here in Kansas City last week. Tons of people were crawling all over the new four-door Mini. So, yeah, I think it's it's going to have some good appeal. And then on the heels of that... You know, really quick. Yeah. I finally had a chance to sit in the back seat of one of those cars. Yeah, it's not bad. And you guys all complain that you're bashing yeah. your heads? Nope, nope. No, not not in the back seat, DB. In the front seat. The back seat's easy to get in and out of. Get yeah. in and out of the driver's seat of that car. I didn't try that. Okay, I'll do that again. The only thing I thought those were from the back seat is the size of the rear window is tiny. It's like a porthole. Yeah, and it does kind of slope down. I found the headroom was a little... If if you've got a, if you're very tall, if you're six feet or taller... Um, you so tight fit. Almost kind of hunched down in the back. It's a little. It wasn't horrible though. It was better than the pacement. It's for kids and dogs. Kids and dogs. And short trips to lunch. You know. Yep. With yeah. With that from the office. Crew from work. Anyway, but, I interrupted yeah. you, Todd. Please continue. I was about to say, uh, segueing onto the Clubman that's uh, that's coming out is what I'm most excited about because we saw that um, the. Uh, uh, what, what do I want to say? The prototype or what? The prototype? A video game car? No, no. What's the word I'm looking for that they did? The concept, <clears throat> the that red concept that we saw a year ago was so sexy. Oh yeah, that one. Yeah, I'm so excited about that. And we thought we were going to see it next, and turns out I'm leapfrogging not. stories here. We're going to get to see the convertible at New York. Yeah, that's going to be interesting that they that they're doing the convertible next, but not really because that's the way they did it before, right? Our top convertible countryman or clubman. Yeah, they were, <clears throat> as far as the releases go, the, the convertible came out in 2005, and then the Clubman was 2007 or 8, or no, was it 9? Oh my gosh, hasn't even yeah. been out that long. I think the convertibles can look weird on the F56 body. No, I think it'll be great. I think it's going to make the car look long. Uh, the car's already long. The overhang is frightening in the front end of this car. I think it's going to make it look a little bit long. Yeah, well... Hey, the Clubman, it'll balance. The nice thing is, is when the Clubman comes out, it'll make everything else look short. There you go. <laughs> so uh, I'm wondering what, because we know uh, Sean drives a, a GP2, so uh, I'm, I'm wondering what Charlie's driving. Is he driving also, I mean, a convertible, given, you know, the son of California? <laughs> Maybe it could be kind of car. I don't know. I'm curious to know. Well, you know what? It, it, I actually had a long career in the auto industry and had the good fortune to to test drive cars uh, at a weekly basis. So actually, you're correct in the sense I've, I've got the A3 convertible right now that uh, we're doing a little test on, and uh, we'll have to start rolling through the other convertibles. It, what's been interesting for us here, I have to say, is we just had a whole segment on alternative fuels all electrics and hybrids, mm-hmm. nice. and some of the electric cars, particularly around San Francisco, I mean, just getting all the torque all the time has right. been a real joy. But uh, I got to tell you, in the city, the, the size of the car and being able to park as these um, cute little houses that you see on TV just to have mismatched driveway, uh, it, 
<laughs> the distance between them is so short that uh, having a small car makes all the difference. Well, and this is part of a running joke is I think I've earned, uh, owned over 30, 35 cars in the last you know, 10, 10 or 15 years, and Charlie's owned one new car in the last 30, 35 years. <laughs> it's a nice one. <laughs> it, it, was, it was. You earned it, right? It was a sky blue Cadillac convertible. Yeah. <laughs> no. no? Okay. I'm like, working towards that. I'm saving up. Like the one like Nick Nolte uh, drove Nick in Nolte uh, drove in 48 hours. Yeah, 48 yeah. hours. <laughs> every time Sean says the word Kenny, when we're doing the Motor Trend podcast, every time he says the word Mini, I get a quarter. So I'm I'm, I'm well on my way to get that Cadillac. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks <laughs> for I just totally awesome. Well, in San Francisco, you guys have the opportunity. I don't know if you've, you've used it yet. The uh, the BMW Car Share program that they've got that they have the. Uh, the electric one series. Yeah, Drive Now. I think it's called Drive Now. Yeah, it's called Drive Now. Have you guys ever uh, uh, messed with that at all? So yeah, we kind of played with it through the uh, the Motor Trend connection, and actually at a couple of the the tech companies, you know, like uh, Google, YouTube, those kind of places. Um, they've got some of the leftover electric one series, and that's kind of where some of them ended up, and and they're kind of almost like company fleet cars, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah cool. Well, that's so that's awesome. a, you know, and the other thing, you know, we know it's spend as much time as you'd like but it's just crazy around here with the connected car uh, the news and, and growth around all of that i'm going to a, an event on tuesday where elon musk and they're going to start talking about deep learning which is the next way that uh, the cars pay attention to everything going on around them and try and take it to the next level so he but, does that rocket thing right he yeah. did i think he <laughs> it i thought he was building a train from la to <laughs> not a train it's a, it's a hyperloop tube left over from a uh, drive-up <laughs> bank that we have to sit in and go somewhere oh my gosh we used to have a <laughs> restaurant called shoots that delivered your food in those pneumatic tubes dude back in the 70s it lasted about a week <laughs> you know the, one, one of the comments about it was no what happens if you catch a tube going the other way I, I want a live lobster delivered by a tube <laughs> I, I think that would be impressive all kinds of bad all kinds I of bad first. Well, I don't know if you guys heard last week's show and DB's wonderful rant about how car companies should not be involved in tech because it's not what they do and they should leave it to companies like Apple and Google and, and the like. Um, and you guys out there, you know, kind of the heart of all of this, uh, what are your thoughts on that? So real quick, I just have to jump in the experience, the old guy in the group. I worked at J.D. Power for a number of years and part of the the thing that was frustrating that I witnessed is some great car companies, BMW, I'll, I'll make mention of, all of a sudden it's falling in satisfaction ratings because nobody likes the iDrive. They're still making wonderful engineered automobiles when you think about things, oh, I don't know, engines, braking, cornering, that type of thing. But because the interface is so um, unintuitive, all of a sudden the, the way the car is perceived is dropping. And I found that incredibly frustrating to see some of these great marks losing their edge in an automotive world based on technology. And in that sense, just a, an infotainment technology. Well, and the, and the same, you know, respect. We uh, we haven't really come very far from the original iDrive in some cars. I mean, you were in the uh, one of the new uh, uh, Japanese cars the other day. And, and going from an Audi to that, I mean, it was night and day difference between... Uh, uh, you know, how the interface worked, how it looked. And it's just, it's amazing that we can have a, a phone that completely, uh, you know, morphs and gets everything that we need, but uh, you can't get it in a car yet. I can't get Prince to play on the radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The man just wants his purple rain. Give it to him. That's right, man. Come on. 
Yeah, um, I mean, we've been talking about that a lot at work. Like, you know, we have a, a computer that can it can flash the mini. We can do anything we want to and update any program. <clears throat> but it's this old, antiquated DOS system with big buttons <laughs> that all you can do is push. And I'm like, why can't I swipe? Why can't I make things bigger? Why can't I actually put it in Fahrenheit? Because I don't speak in Celsius. Like... Why can't we do any of this? And they're like, well, we're working on it. And I was like, my phone is more sophisticated than this computer, even though it costs way more. So can I put on the OEM hat, or have you heard the uh, the reason from them on high before? It, the, the reason that I got was that it takes so long to develop the technology, and, and technology itself is advancing so quickly that they say in a company the size of BMW, for example, and this was a, a top BMW executive that told me this, they said it's like a steamship on the ocean and trying to turn it around or to make a turn, it takes, you know, hundreds or, th- you know, hundreds and hundreds of miles for it to, to make a shift in and whatever. And that was the explanation I got was that they just can't move fast enough because of everything it takes to, you know, manufacture a car. Now, well, I, and let me add to that. So here's another aspect. Everything needs to work all the time in all temperatures and all places when it comes from the OEM. So if your phone isn't working, right. fine, it's your phone's problem. But if for some reason you can't unlock the doors and it's somehow the OEM's fault, they're in trouble for that. And that was always an issue. I mean, you go back decades to when some of the security systems were tying in you know, power locks and windows and the the idea that you could roll up all your windows at the same time. And all of a sudden the OEMs can't do that because somebody's fingers might get hurt or it doesn't work at a certain temperature. The corollary to that, which is a great example, is way back when there's a story about Bob Lutz being in a GM or in a Lexus and they had the soft touch on one of the doors for the first time. Mm-hmm. And he says, why don't we have this in the Cadillacs? And they said, well, we tried it at, you know, minus 84 degrees and it didn't work quite right and he said okay wait a second you know we gotta make these things that we can when we can and not worry about the very 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 small percentage of times that it won't work so they really need to come to terms with that then add on as you already pointed out this incredibly quick turnaround time on technology and they can't even come close to dialing it into the degree that they want to. Well, and yeah. then we won't even well, go into the whole, you know, the Apple Android, you know, the iOS versus uh, Android operating system and how, you know, they have to make something that really is compatible with both to cuz you know, I, I wouldn't say it's 50-50, uh but uh, it's somewhere, you know, it's a large percentage of each. So I think your response was, you know, you can't make all the people happy all the time. So let's hit the biggest cross section we can instead right. of doing nothing or instead of doing it poorly. So right. I got a question right. for Charlie. Um, in regards to those units that we see in cars, are there what is the percentage of of the of that unit being made strictly by, let's say, BMW versus you know BMW partnering with some kind of you know. Uh, part or I don't know manufacturer that provides those units actually has a business only you know about selling uh, infotainment system to car companies like is that is that a thing or does BMW or other companies build everything in house? No, it, it is a thing, and certainly you know Nvidia here in, in does a lot of work for a number of the OEMs, particularly Audi. Uh, what we saw a demonstration of from Honda recently, and Hyundai does the same thing, where you basically get the screen, and then you have the choice to have either the Android or the um, iOS interface, 
and it'll go back and forth. So, for instance, the driver could want it a certain way, but then when the passenger says, well, let me look stuff up on, on a map, it can be uh, the interface that they're used to. So it's an interesting software solution, but the screen itself is just basically being occupied by the, uh, by the solution of the passenger or the driver as they select. I want you know, the so option. I, I just I want to be able to install uh, <laughs> Tie Fighter, play some of the games I grew up with. Like, like Commodore sixty four is working, <laughs> right? So it's kind of, so it's kind of funny when you think about it, right? Because those companies do not even uh, own the whole stack, and they're still so they're partnering with other companies, but for, for whatever reason, but now it's starting to open up, right? But for whatever reason, they're still refusing, you know, technology companies like Apple and Google to have a really strong say into the final product, which is, you know, probably a loss for the consumers in the end. But even if I think that CarPlay and uh, Android, you know, Car or whatever that's called, uh, is yet are yet from being, you know, uh, really, really good in my opinion. But that that that's a funny thing, I think. Well, and the one company we see that kind of owns the process start to finish now and is kind of the outlier is, is, is obviously Tesla. And, you know, mm-hmm. they own everything. And at the end, um, you know, their solution, it, it still has some some big issues, you know, and, and that's with owning the entire pipeline, right. having the UI people uh, in-house and, and still not really uh, being able to execute it in a, in, a, in a high level. Yeah. Some would argue. Yeah. Well, then they just yeah. had that software glitch where they, you know, the good news is they could do a software download that would even, you know, affect the, the drivability or the, you know, acceleration of the vehicle. And all of a sudden there's issues of stall outs and it's just based on a, on a software update. It's the old story about, you know, just <laughs> unplug it and go back to your, your DOS prompt. Yeah, do a battery, do a battery pull reboot. Exactly. <laughs> well, we got to tell you, we had a crazy experience where you're driving the, uh, a, electric car we're driving it was actually the e, the golf and um we needed to use the dc charger at their lab and we go out there and we can't get it to work and we're struggling with this thing for nearly an hour and the guy comes out and says oh you know what we need to just unplug it and he unplugs this beautiful battery charger and there's all these people lined up it swear to god it goes to a dos screen and starts reloading <laughs> seriously is that what it is and i go how do you Uncharge a DC charging station. Or it's a router from 2002. <laughs> That's what they all are. The blue screen of death. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Uh, well, it's just, it's just, it, that still just boggles my mind. And, and really, my, my biggest issue is just why, why do the, why does the infotainment system have to be tied in so close to the operations of the car? And I understand why it needs to, and it's because they want to use that to display what's going on with the car. But why couldn't they just have like an API or something that the, that tech manufacturers could write to. So that way they can just like say, hey, oh, sure, you want to provide a, an infotainment center for our, our car? Sure. Pitch us something. Here's the API codes to get the information you need to display on the screen so that people know how much fuel they have left and if their oil is low. Oh, that sounds logical to you and me from a consumer standpoint. But I think from a business standpoint, all of these car companies are full of old people running them. And they yeah. want everything to be proprietary because they want to be the only one. They don't want anybody to copy their stuff. Example, what yep. is it? They, Chad, Chad exactly. what, is it, what is it with the R56? Somebody told me I can't remove the the, the stereo amp from my car because, like, the fuel pump starts stops working or something. Uh, <laughs> I do know. I don't know that, but yes, the stereo is very integrated in that car, and it takes a lot of work to get it out. Right, and if you do take it out and upgrade it, then like something actually doesn't work. And somebody told me what it was, and it was something ridiculous. Not like the fuel pump, but it was like the door locks don't work or the horn stops working or something like that. And I just go, well, that's well just- I mean, 
as as we were talking about this, the new F fifty six, I actually had a customer call me yesterday, and I was actually reading the F fifty six owner's manual. There are no specifications that tells you actually how much oil should be in the car. It tells you how to check the oil yep. and what to do with the oil, but it doesn't tell you oil capacity or anything of how to actually put oil in the car. <laughs> That's not your problem. So if you check the well, oil screen it says you're a quart low, it, the owner's manual doesn't say, well, then open the bonnet and unscrew this and put nope. oil. Well, it, not just that, but it doesn't, it doesn't tell you that you sh- – you, it actually tells you to check your oil the best, you should have 30 minutes of driving and then check your oil. I mean, who's going to go drive around for 30 minutes to check your oil? Well, and here's the really bad part, too, is I've done this in the F56, and BMWs are the same way, and they have been for a while. There's there's no dipstick, so you have to go through the system in the car. Much easier to do if you have the navigation system, because there's there's lots of uh, lots of lines and pretty pictures to go with it. But it's, it's less intuitive, and, and it's a little more complicated to go through if you've just got the three lines of display or whatever it is. But anyway, it takes a while too you have to you know be sitting still and you start the process and it might take i don't know three four minutes to read the oil levels and i'm like in today's day and age nobody's gonna sit there for three or four minutes and watch the thing funny is if you check your oil with a dipstick as it takes about three to four minutes well i don't even know it it can if you if you pull it out wipe it off push it back in wipe it off but it doesn't seem like three to four minutes because you're actually doing something in our day and age with, you know, cell phones that swipe and, you know, we have instant, you know, gratification with Google and, you know, et cetera. When you're sitting there waiting for the computer and it says in the owner's manual can take up to one minute. I've got the fix. That, that one fix. minute is going to t- feel like seven. What's the fix? Got the fix. You guys ready for this? Mm-hmm. I, I am a master genius and everybody can just pay me for this for this idea now when you're waiting for the oil check to be complete it should play the jeopardy music <laughs> done licensing i'm sure that'll be part of the whole mini connected next you know version of you've got to run a corner yay and then, then the oil has to indicate in the form of a question yes well, that's- <laughs> I think we should go back to sight glasses. Touché. I think we should go back to a little sight glass, you know? Yes. <laughs> oh, okay, Grandpa. Just on the top of the engine. <laughs> I, I see oil. I see oil. Of course. Gosh. Yeah. I don't know what the, I don't. I don't understand what's going on. There. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, the young guy. What the hell is a sight glass? <laughs> oh God. My first car actually had my fuel filter. It was actually a, a clear, a clear piece of glass. With a filter inside of it, so I could actually see the filter. Oh my gosh! Sixty-five L Camino. I had a clear fuel filter there, so I could see the filter. It was awesome. All right. Well, yeah, I, I learned to fly a seaplane in an old Taylor craft that had a cork that floated and it led to a wire that was out on the cowling, and you just kind of looked to see how much was bobbing up and down to yeah. estimate the fuel remaining. That's awesome. That is just old school Wait. awesome. It's like gravity. <laughs> yes. Totally. But I can't fail. What happens if you go upside down though? Then you got a full tank. Or you know, I grew up and I grew up riding motorcycles. They don't have gas gauges on them. They none of them did. You pulled nope. the, you opened the top and you looked down in the tank. Do I have any gas left? Can I smell <laughs> well, that's it? Why yes. That you can it. do that in a mini if you've got a thirteen millimeter wrench. So maybe we should just go back to doing that, Tom. <laughs> 
like every like you know you once a day you have to stop you have to remove your back seat you have to undo yeah. the fuel the fuel tank <laughs> lid yep there's fuel and you gotta bolt it all back down all right well now we're just becoming absurd who still has back seats yeah. oh right i forgot two I, of us don't i don't i had three right now there's none no. of the cars in my stable have back seats yeah, nice, my nice. car has back seats, but I've got a just a uh, just a plain old R56 Cooper, and Alex kind of has back seats in his car, kind of. We yeah, get, I have I have back seats, but uh, barely used by anyone. So that's it's, it's a one series, Alex. Those aren't really back seats. Those are back seats like they were in a '78 Trans Am. They're not. <laughs> it's a back seat that's capable of holding like a child car seat. That's about it. Yeah, for or it's a back seat for someone with no legs. That's yes. that's it too. So, so I was wondering if uh, Sean bought so many cars. Did you ever had a chance to actually do the, an entire transaction through through the web? Um, yeah. So I've done a, a couple uh, like that where I've actually purchased cars in multiple places and had them shipped to where I was working that day. Uh, so it took the bus to work, took a Porsche home. It, it's it's a rough, rough life. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the, the Porsche fare was a little higher than the bus fare, by the way. I can imagine. I can hear you crying now. <laughs> There's nothing I hate worse than going to look at than going to a car dealer, car dealership lot. I hate walking onto a car lot. I oh, I love it, man! I, it's a it's a well, challenge. Do it, and you see dollar signs. Come on, man! I love. I, I, I'm, I like I'm addicted the to the chase. You know, I think that the chase is what's fun. You know, like uh, finding the right car that's going to kind of hold its value that speaks to you in a certain way that that just has something that that no other car has, and then. Uh, you know, being able to find, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> yeah. I, I yeah. just don't like the salesman, the, the salesman, the, <laughs> everything that they're telling you, it's like, well, I already know that's a lie or it's not really true. <laughs> it's, or it's like, no, that, that, that doesn't even sound right. It's like, not as bad as it can float. Like what? Yeah. Like, I just, I, I'm addicted to it. Also, I shop for cars in my spare time. Um, you know, right. It's just, but I think I think dealerships don't actually like people like us because we're so you know in a bad. I don't know if it's in a bad way or a good way, but we're so knowledgeable about the car we want and about how much we can actually pay for it. This weekend, I was uh, you know I always I'm kind of like told like I like stopping by dealerships to just you know look at cars and talk with with salesmen. And so I talked to this guy who was you know working at a mini dealership. I'm not gonna say which one, but. I heard so much stuff that is just plainly wrong, and I'm like, "Didn't you get the training on the new car? Like, it doesn't like you? You make no sense at all." And and this is not on the mini. I'm sure this is like on plenty of other brands where you know car models are a bit more specific than maybe Honda or I don't know Hyundai or something like this. And it's kind of it's it's kind of sad. I mean, you know, most people are not like us, obviously, but it's kind of, of sad and and you know, for me to. To have their people, you know, miss the point of the training. Well, think uh, about it. Unfortunate. Yeah, but I, th- I think there's more people like us than what they think they realize. It's a challenge. It's not as bad as it used to be, but back in like say 2004, it was a challenge for many salespeople because the customers would come in knowing way more about the cars than the salespeople would. And I, yeah. I, I imagine there's a handful of other brands like that. Of course, you know, there's Volkswagen enthusiasts and Porsche enthusiasts. The people go in and they know everything about the car inside and out. They know all the th- options and everything that's there way more than the salespeople do. And that's just got to be a challenge for the salespeople because they're just trying to make a living. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, I, yeah I, but you I, only have I, to I, know like one or two things and they should be able to 
know exactly how to sell you that car. Go ahead there. So, yeah, there's that that magic moment when uh, you do find that one sales associate car enthusiast who, uh, you know, all of a sudden you realize you've got it in common. You start, you know, dropping some lingo. All of a sudden, you know, he he loved the uh, the 2002 BMW M Coupe, and you know, it just starts building on top of itself. And uh, then you have like that fun enthusiast kind of experience, and, and those are the kind of people that. Um, you know, it, it, if I were in the, the market for a car, which sometimes, let's face it, we we go to these places just to kind of drive the cars. But, you know, I would keep coming back to someone like that. And it, it starts kind of a, a nice friendship. So I've, I've been trying to just I don't even know where to start. So 30 years in the business and started dealing with dealers on my very first day. And I have a I have a real love for for some of the great dealers out there. Unfortunately, the vast majority uh, don't fit into that mold, and and I've been frustrated. As I just want to say out loud to you guys, there isn't a more passionate, broad-based <clears throat> broad group than the mini buyers, mini owners. Sure, Porsche has great, passionate people, and and any one of the individual brands do. But across the board, in terms of the product, product knowledge, personalization, I, in the three decades I've been in the business, I haven't witnessed anything close. So if you are passionate about it, and I think you made a good point saying back in 2004, they couldn't handle you very well because they had older or less trained salespeople or didn't share the enthusiasm. But I got to tell you, it's infectious when you're, except from Sean, I kind of scare off. That's a different kind of infection, yeah. yeah. So, I, you know, you guys just should take some pride in the fact of what you are. I give a tour every year at the New York Auto Show to consumers, and I begin it with, whatever car you're shopping for, don't ask me a question about it because we both already know that you know more about it than I do because you have been studying it and you're passionate about it. I can talk about broad things about different cars, what's going on, changes and things like that, but the passion around the minis is just, I mean, just a testament to this this podcast. I mean, the fact that you guys have been doing this for over 15 years is fantastic. Well, I mean, 10 years. Yeah, those are... I mean, five years. I mean, over a month. <laughs> those are kind words. Thank you so much for saying that. And it's funny because for the longest time, even uh, <clears throat> on, the, on the big events that, that Mini does, like Mini Takes the States, for example, you know, the car company puts on this giant cross-country event, and they've done it like five times now. Right. Every two years. And they often say to people who are there with friends and family members and whatever who don't own minis, they're like, I think you realize just by coming to an event like that or being around mini owners that you're not just buying a car and you're buying into a community of people. And it, it's like this enthusiast community that you're automatically a member of when you get it. And if you're not a car enthusiast, um, when... Uh, uh, when you buy the Mini, you become one over the years. You start thinking, well, what can I do to this car? I need new wheels. I need to learn about all the things I can mod to it. So um, that's pretty amazing, as many cars as you've been around then, um, to say that about Mini. And uh, we all kind of know it, and, and we're almost blind to it now because we've all been Mini fans for like a dozen years now. Right. Well, what's it like? What's it like for any of you when you go up to somebody and you see them with a mini, and you're just so excited, and you know the model, and you and, they, and you're looking at them, and they look at you like, "Well, I just bought this for transportation." I mean, do you ever come across those? I mean, is it is it heart wrenching or what? It is. It's disgust. It I just I hang my head in disgust. <laughs> well, I mean, well, I, 
I see that every day with the people coming into the shop, and they're like, I just need a battery. Can I just get a battery? Because like, all I need to do is get to work tomorrow. And I would say my my average is 25% just people who drive the car to 75% who people who love the car, just like I know everything about it. So they it's it's very interesting to see the person that just it's just a car to me well I, you can I always tell care. those people too there's there's visual signs for that and it happens with bmws too you see the cars that the front wheels of the car are completely black with brake dust because oh, yeah. they, they never yeah. wash it and you know those people it's just transportation it is a commo- the car to them is a commodity and and they're not the enthusiast now <clears throat> the nice thing about minis and, and a lot of other cars too you can see that people have done modifications to it. They've either got some some interesting graphics on it. They're not factory. on the roof, for example. Yeah, <laughs> giant lizards on the roof. Lizards. Um, you know, they've got some aftermarket wheels. You can tell there's a different exhaust on it. But when you see something like that, I instantly are like, "Oh, hey, how do you like your Miltech exhaust?" Or you know, stuff like that. So it is like a kinship. You know, you you have an immediate friendship with people over this stupid thing, this hunk of metal and rubber and plastic. Don't say that. But we've all loved <laughs> I'm being facetious with that. But but this thing and realize that I have so many friends now that I didn't all these guys on the show and all this time that we put into it for the past ten years, um, it is amazing to think that just this brand is what brought it all together. So from from my point of view it's uh it, it's kind of a bit different because you know france historically maybe some people can prove me wrong please email me alex at whyroofradio.com uh france historically has not been i mean a french people i don't see them as being real you know huge car fans just you know as as opposed to uh to americans and so uh, in Paris, especially, we have you know because it's it's a uh, you know it's like San Francisco in terms of uh, finding a spot for a car. So a lot of people have very small car. Plus in Europe, uh, historically, we've always had smaller cars than in the US. And so you will see a lot of minis, but most of those people uh, buying mini because it's uh, it's very trendy, not because of you know anything attached to the brand. And so that's that that's that's kind of why i'm really happy to be here because the 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 community and the and the enthusiasm around the brand and around cars in general is is much higher which is which is kind of sad when you think about it because i i think uh, one of the bmw designer paul brack was actually fr- i mean was actually french and i think it's still it's still alive uh he, he designed some great cars but you know french people i don't see them as being you know huge Fans of cars in any any capacity. So, uh, Alex, have you yeah. been to uh, Alex? Have you attended Retromobile in Paris? Then, uh, no, I haven't a chance to do it. No. Okay, so we we got a chance to be there last year, and this was the 40th year this last February. But the thing about uh, the French that I thought was impressive takeaway from that was these events around cars, uh, the rallies, the great adventures across Europe with these touring cars. And then uh, many months later, to actually do the Mini Takes Estates, it was a nice tie-in. It was very reminiscent of, of a, a bygone era that, that people would seriously rally around cars. Now, the level of excitement around Mini Takes Estates, starting off with Tony Hawk jumping the car and things like that, was way different than these old posters with a picnic blanket and a bottle of Bordeaux heading off into the countryside. Yeah, I think that's, you know... Uh, um, I used to live uh, right outside of the uh, right outside of Paris, near uh, uh, the castle of Vincennes. And so every every Sunday, every, the first Sunday of every month, you would have like on the on the basically in front of the castle, like all those very old cars, vintage cars, you know, meeting up. 
and you know a lot of really nice nice automobiles right and those people will probably attend you know one of those rally but in terms of something you know uh, like some kind of community of uh, new cars or more recent cars I haven't seen that myself maybe maybe it's because I haven't seen enough and that's very very possible but uh, it seems that you would have a lot of fans of you know old cars but new cars you know such as something similar but in a, a smaller fashion as Mini Take the States you wouldn't probably see it which is why also uh, Mini United is, is maybe cross Europe and wouldn't work in only one country because it's just not enough people well, <clears throat> that's interesting. I'm going to steer the direction, uh, steer the conversation in a in a direction. Then, um, Sean and Charlie, I want to know. You guys have been around cars for a long time, driven a lot of cars and everything. One, what do each of you guys drive now? So I drive the uh, the GP2 uh, with around 5,500 miles on it. So it's it's actually my daily driver. You know what I'd like to do, though, before he finishes answering that question, is let's start with the car that you had when we started the podcast and then the iterations you they went through. They don't have time for this. What are you driving now? <laughs> no, what are you driving now? No, tell them the mom will be. No, I want to hear. I want to hear the one new car that, you, that you've purchased in the last, what, 20 years. Is that what you said? <laughs> and, and maybe the car that you hated the most that you owned. No, so, you know what? I Like I said, I... I started in the industry back in 85. I was the editor at Kelly Blue Book for 20 years and then worked for J.D. Power and then done, have done a number of things since, including car and driver and motor trend. Um, so I get a chance to, to drive different cars. The, the the car that's out there, depending on you know the, the state of mind that I, I really like, is, is the S7 um, Audi. Uh, but there's the... Um, the car that uh, the kids all learned to drive in was a Mazda MPV rear-wheel drive. Oh, my it's still, gosh. It's, it still lives. <laughs> it's one headlight down. And it's, it's down, uh, it's down, down a headlight, but it... Uh, you don't need both headlights. You know, the, the, the designer of the uh, MX-5, the Miata, um, you know, that was his first job at Mazda was to design their new minivan, and the uh, Miata was a side project for him. So, what a job. Uh, he's... A, he's teaches at the uh, art academy here in town so the fact that i own that it makes me special for him oh so wow. i'll take whatever i can <laughs> oh wow that's incredible but uh now so we you know we have a, the good fortune to drive a lot of different uh different products cycling through and, and as i mentioned we're going through a lot of the alternative fuel stuff right now just to get that dialed in it, it's interesting to me how Certainly with the dropping gas prices, how alternative fuel has really taken a backseat to the news around cars is really just about the connected car. Well, but I still want to go back to Sean and go through the series of vehicles that he's had in the year we've done the podcast. So ask him, please. <laughs> All right. I want you guys. He'll, he'll answer you. He won't answer me. Yeah, I, I want to hear it because I know we talked a little bit before the show. So I know a little bit. I know three of these cars. So let's hear in the last year. Sean, what you've uh, so first, through. it's hard to uh, do a radio show with Charlie with this uh, ninety-foot restraining order. But uh, we're, we're, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's just come back. Hear you? Yeah, there you go. Way in the back. Um, so I've actually had a couple minis too. So not just in the last year. Uh, my first mini was a, an, an R fifty-three, a gray one. Uh, I, I loved that car. I absolutely loved that car. Uh, and I went from that to a uh, an R fifty-six, the the WC fifty. So. Uh, when you guys mentioned uh, the the new green looked a little Connick green, uh, it, it touched a a warm, happy, soft spot deep, deep in my heart. Ben, <laughs> oh. once you've gone JCW, you just have never gone back, right? Absolutely. Well, except when I left, and now I'm back. So I, I left from that. Uh, I sold the WC50, 
and uh, found uh, the the last of the air cooled Porsches, the the nine nine three a C four S wide body, which was kind of my my dream car for years, and uh, I got to own it for for a little bit, and uh, we, we, that's kind of what we started the podcast with, and then. Um, uh, decided I probably needed to go up to a different 911 and ended up with a 997 uh, GTS, so another wide body. And uh, then went on many takes a state and saw a, uh, a couple of the the GP2s. And uh, within a couple months, I was I was in one of those guys. So I want to just jump in as the guy in the car with the, the guy that had the two Porsches looking out the window going, I want my mini bag. I want my mini bag. There were tears. There were, there were kind of green tears. It's a, I'm really, wow. really wondering how this happened because I'm trying to do to go the other way, like trying to go from mini to Porsche and it's not happening right now. Well, and, and the things that are important to me as a driver are steering feel, handling, and, and just overall fun, especially in a city. Like I've got about a 25-mile commute and – um you know, as wonderful, you know, the, the classic Porsche or, you know, semi-classic Porsche was, was kind of a garage queen to an extent. But the 997 was so fast on the streets. I would do two shifts and I'd be at 80 miles per hour. Whereas, uh, you know, the GP2, I, I feel like it's a little rally race every day with uh, my dog on the way to work. Awesome. That is awesome. That is so much. Dog is a heck of a driver, by the way. <laughs> driver or navigator? <laughs> yeah, she can bark out a, a, a left two down. So yeah. nice. That's that's impressive. That's good training right there. Have you guys had a chance to uh, to test drive the the new mini? And and if yes, like how does it compare to the GP two and for Charlie, like to the other cars that you've been driving in 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 kind of the same category? Yeah. So we actually had a uh, a new uh, base Cooper automatic on Mini Takes the States. Uh, so so we got to drive from here. Uh, for the first leg, and uh, I, I enjoyed it. You know, there were. I'll let Charlie kind of chime in on his thoughts. I didn't well, know you guys were on many takes of states. I'm surprised we missed you. Well, you know what? The, the, talk about restraining order. Every time, you know, Sean <laughs> got a, a whiff of white roof going by. Go, just calm down, focus here, would you please? <laughs> there, there, were, there was, yeah, there was just too much beauty going on. And we too were many, just, many. just uh, to be fair, we could um, we could just do the first day, so we just made it to Reno and then had to come back. Yeah, I had actually run the San Francisco Marathon that morning, and then we hopped into a car and, and started driving after that. So, uh, you know, a, a marathon and some beers later, I, I don't remember too much about the next couple of days. Well, <laughs> I was driving along the marathon in the mini saying, come on, get in the car. <laughs> you got to have your passions. Exactly. So, um, you know, I've always been a huge fan of the brand. I've always loved minis and I've loved them for the reasons I've, I, that John mentioned that they're they're quick. They're they're fun to drive. I always had, you know, the optical illusion when you have the six foot uh, person walk up to the car and sit down and you can barely see their head over the side of the door. It's like one of those stadiums that, that are dug out of the ground and somehow how did they fit in there I'm, I've always been a big fan of space utilization um, I had a, a good uh, fortune to know Frank Stevenson many years ago um, and so you know we talked about it when it was first came the new iteration came over I love the old mini uh, I got a chance to live in Europe many years ago and, and I was always a fan of the Cinquecento just because it was so ridiculously small and then of course the mini was was so iconic and I don't think a lot of people realize so as I'm editor of Kelly Blue Book when it rolls in, and they're just phenomenal uh, resale value, residual values through the roof, is mm-hmm. because, I mean, it was car of the century uh, back in, in the 1900s. It was uh, loved around the world, and so it's something that certainly um, they want to, uh, I mean, the fact that they read it, it's, it's just always been a very popular brand. 
Well, and it changed cars as we know it today. I mean, the transverse mounted engine, they were the first ones to do it, and now virtually every car is, you know, right. is, is like that, too. There's so much about this and, and the, the, the great use of space. Now, what are your thoughts on the fact that minis are getting bigger uh, over the years? Even since 2002, they've gotten a considerable amount larger. What are your thoughts on, on that direction it's going? Well, let, let's all be happy for the uh, the safe pedestrians in all of Europe. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the blind side by the Lamborghini Countach days are over. <laughs> I'm pleased that I can now safely drive into a pedestrian. It's, yes, it's, it's true. That really yeah, makes I, that makes I, me I super happy. to get a cup on my way over here. You know, the thing about it, you know, Minnie's challenge certainly is is twofold. Number one, to keep that I can iconic design and and so it's certainly recognizable as a mini both in shape and by name but then also the fact that so many of these other car companies were making money off of these other iterations of cars the um ubiquitous crossover on up to trucks or luxury vehicles and and the fact that they need to just have a a single uh type of vehicle and somehow you know create a worldwide brand a profitable brand on it and so much of the things that, that frustrate you guys as I'm listening to you is things that are, you know, just the operation of a, a manufacturer and, and what it takes to, to be profitable in, in a world stage. So, you know, I get frustrated by the fact that the American delivery of certain vehicles it demands to be bigger as all, all Americans are getting bigger and they need more room uh, in the vehicles. Uh, that's frustrating to me, particularly when I get a chance to, to drive cars in the European marketplace. So um, I, you know, blame our culture to a certain extent for some of that. We blame. That being said, I could go for some smaller taillights, and uh, yeah. you know, we could probably tighten up that fascia a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. We, you, you know what though, and this will be funny. It kind of hits home here. We blame JD Power for so much of this. Yes, <laughs> we, we, almost all of it. We blame the JD Power survey for so yep. many of Minnie's problems. Oh yeah, because of the, uh, the things that have changed over the years have been because those surveys were at the damn bottom of the list uh for for many in in iqs and right. it's been and I'd, I'd love to address that to the extent that you know having worked there uh, i used to get frustrated because i would see brands that i didn't think were making as a good a car uh, rated higher than than other brands right. and i'll just say you know buick higher than many for sake of discussion right um well the reality is is that the survey is all about the particular customer in other words what do buick owners think of buicks and what do mini owners think of minis well it's a different demographic it's a younger uh driver you know they got an active life they got things to do places to go uh, buick older drivers and hey i'm getting up there myself so i can say this without offending too many people but it's like oh my gosh first of all you don't even notice when there's something wrong with the car and then secondly if there is a problem you get to go to the dealer and you get free coffee and a donut and guess what all your friends are there also so it's a social <laughs> so you know many it's like i don't have time for this what's that clicking sound i what I, this is a problem what, what's wrong with these people I, I demand this to be perfect and to operate and to get me places so that's a that is a fantastic perspective. I uh, I appreciate that and very humorous at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Well, it it's funny. As much as we like to complain about it, I went to the the local auto show this past weekend and I'm in the market for a new car this year and literally there is very few now the the Audi the S7. I am with you uh, a 1000% on that car. Um if only the the bank account were with me for that. Yeah, exactly. But um, 
it, it, uh, it just seems like Mini still appeals to me more than most other most other cars and most other most other brands that are out there. So mm. I don't know. There we Can go. DB's back now. DB dropped off for a second. I was there the whole time. Anyway, I wanted to stop you guys just for a second because we need to pay bills really quick. I want to remind you guys about one of the other fine sponsors underneath the white roof, our friends over at Cravenspeed. Cravenspeed.com. They make the really cool custom-made stuff for your Mini. They make the a really nice-looking intake for the F56, the Platypus uh license plate mount for those of you who have to have a front license plate and you don't want to drill into your bumper super nice uh the stubby antenna you got to have that so your car doesn't look like it's remote control uh quality intake manifold spacer sure why not all these things and more including the the squeezy thing available over at cravenspeed cravenspeed.com same deal goes when you get there once you sign up for the email newsletter at the bottom of the page that way you get updated whenever they update the site you get a nice email from them says hey this is something new that we want you to give us money for and they let you know and you go check it out and you go oh my god this is amazing and you share it with everybody and then you buy like four of them because that's how you roll cravenspeed.com go over there check it all out and order yourself something nice when you do Make sure you say thanks for supporting White Roof Radio. We really appreciate that. So do they. That, of course, our friends over at Cravenspeed, cravenspeed.com, uh, home of the electric mini and the F56 intake and the platypus mount. <laughs> and there's so much to so much to get there. There's so much. Oh, and the mini dipstick if you have a car that has a dipstick. Oh. And tell the guys they need to come to Amviv. Tell the guys at Craven. Go buy something. That, that, yeah, when you order something from Craven Speed, say, make sure that you say, hey, I'll see you at Amviv. Yes. Don't put go. a question mark. Say, I will see you at Amviv. Kellen's going to come to Amviv. Come on. You know, on the Mazda MPV, every now and then we use the antenna as a dipstick. Can you not do that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I never thought about that. Let me think. The, the mini dipstick. Chad, I think. You almost the, could. That's long enough. Long enough, isn't it, Chad? The, uh, the stock one might be, yes. <laughs> the new one, the F56, is much shorter. But, hey, there's no dipstick there in that car anymore. So, hey. So, Maybe that's why we'll, they shorten it. We'll come it. up with the dipstick edition mod. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so so let's talk about – let's talk Motor Trend podcast here for just a minute. I'm, I'm looking at you guys over on iTunes right now. And it looks like this iteration of the show, you started it last year, back in April? Yes. Excellent. So there's right now you've got 44 episodes currently. It looks like you do about two a month. Yeah, we put out one a week, and we just put out uh, number 45. We missed just a couple weeks for you know reasons that were of great great concern to us. But probably out buying cars or something. (laughs) Sure, 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 sure. You can't eat Christmas, duh. Right. Even we miss a week on occasion. I mean, come on. Um, awesome. Yeah, I actually took the chance. I, I've, I've been remiss in not listening prior. I took a chance to listen to a couple episodes today. It's, I really like it a lot. And uh, I think it's something the White Roof Radio listener would be very much interested in, especially the latest episode talking about um, trailers and... Um, and all things Hobbit in New Zealand. Think Hobbit in well, New- all things Hobbit. So so what happened here, you know, so I'm, I'm this industry veteran and, and I've got, you know, lots to talk about, whether buying a car, different products and things like that. But You guys see, I can't keep them quiet. Well, you know, Sean and I got a chance to meet and, and certainly he had the technical background, but obviously a car enthusiast and it was within the first show where it's like, there's no reason for me to go out there by myself. I need to have Sean to talk to. I mean, so it's been based around a number of interviews as I travel around or Sean does where we get a chance to meet somebody interesting. And we just talked to him, and as you can tell from the variety, it's certainly about cars, but Airstream trailer or, or Retina scans. Uh, we've had a, we had a train engineer on one episode that had run into forty cars at, at crossings, and what Sober. was that like? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like it, it kind of runs the gamut, and uh, 
you know, the, the, the Motor Trend brand is certainly something we respect and we're honored to be a part of, but they've given us the freedom to, you know, Motor Trend is more about numbers and performance and things. This is just, as we describe it, you know, celebrating cars through conversation. Yeah, it's really nice. You guys could go over, check it out. There's going to be a link in the show notes at whatyourfreedo.com. Yeah, I think the, uh, the the interview with the uh, the, the engineer with the uh, retina scan was pretty amazing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's really pretty cool stuff. Well, that's awesome. Do you guys ever make it out to SEMA in Vegas every year to see? Yeah, that? we were at SEMA. We did a couple of uh, we did a show on on SEMA, and, and of course, I've been going there for years. Um, we'll be in New York uh, in April, obviously, for the auto show there. Uh, I'm going to try and reconnect with the, the retina scan guys out there. Um, didn't go to Geneva. Been in the past. Um, you know, Sean was over in New Zealand just to, to, to try his rally skills, which I think were quite successful. The sheep were impressed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love it. Well, I should uh, I should look you guys up next time I'm uh, in Vegas. That's probably the next time I'd, we're going to be at the same location and then maybe the Detroit Auto Show in uh, in January. Well, now we're always looking for someone to drive the, uh, the Volkswagen Beetle six times in our bullet recreation. So you guys are always welcome and have a place to stay whenever you're in San Francisco. Yeah, please look us up. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I'm not going to drive a Beetle through the streets of San Francisco. I will. <laughs> that's you won't be the only one, but that's okay. There's not enough hubcaps to drive that. <laughs> There's not enough new old stock hubcaps to replace. Yeah. Anyway, I want you guys to go over and check out the Motor Trend audio podcast uh, starring Charlie Vogelheim and Sean Myers. Thanks, guys, so much for having us. Uh, We're huge fans of yours and uh, couldn't be happier to have been on the show. And it was nice to hear a real radio voice there. I was so impressed by that. (laughs) I I practice on occasion. I don't do it very often. I'm not a lot of real radio. Minis, minis, minis. I I took away a sound box. (laughs) (laughs) And we we all add it in post, so no worries. Yeah, there we go. We've spent lots of hours trying to make our voices like silky smooth. I just yeah, I don't have I don't have to because I'm French so it always works <laughs> and we don't understand a damn thing Alex says you're anyway. just automatically so <laughs> well, there, yeah there's, so, a, there's a French guy there's the guy from the FM radio station and then there's that guy that sounds really smart and then that other guy <laughs> See, now I know I'm confused and I don't know <laughs> so am I well clearly the other guy from Detroit. <laughs> We now know who's who. <laughs> I don't know who's who. I don't know who to be mad if I should be angry. Yeah, speaking of, someone on here owes me a stick of butter because I'm from the middle of Ohio. So. Oh, okay. It's, oh, look we, at that. But you're not going to throw through the CTI there. So there, there's like a stick of butter and maybe, uh, you know, a lollipop or something in for it. We love yeah, it. I'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure to hook you up for the stick of butter. Don't I'll get worry. your mailing address. Yeah, there you go. Uh, anyway, thanks again, guys. We appreciate you coming on. I want you guys, uh, White Roof Radio fans, the find a good-looking White Roof Radio audience, go over to whiteroofradio.com, and I want you to find the Motor Trend, link to the Motor Trend podcast I put on the site. You can also search for the Motor Trend podcast in iTunes and Overcast in your podcast uh, client of choice. Just search Motor Trend. These guys are going to pop right up. You should definitely subscribe and listen. It's a great show. You really like it. Uh, but we're about done for the night. Otherwise, I want to remind you guys, final, final sponsor, motoringstripes.com. Go over there, check out the stripes. You don't have to go to Todd or wait for a graphics party anymore. And guess He's what? On stripes directly to you. And Todd, guess what? Guess what? There, there's a white roof, shh, secret white roof radio discount. There's a secret white roof radio discount. Did you did you did you see the discount code? I don't think you did. I is, haven't seen. Is, the is it secret? Is it secret? Yeah, the secret white roof radio discount code is fifty fifty. 
Oh, look at that. So if you go over to motoringstripes.com and if you order up something like the Countryman boot protector strip, now available for both if you've got park distance or not, uh, and you use the coupon code of 5050, what's that going to save you, Todd? 5%. 5%? Oh, my God, that's super strong. It's like so, the senior citizen discount for DB, but in you know, oh, there you go. the white roof like Then you, But you don't have to look old. Yeah. <laughs> so that's an added bonus. Yeah. Motoringstripes.com. Go over there, pick out one of the nice stripes. There's going to be more stuff coming, stripes. There's a sunroof graphics and, of course, the Countryman bumper prep protection strip. You can get all that. Use the coupon code of 5050. Save yourself 5% on that order. Very, very awesome. Todd, thanks so much for doing that for everybody. And that, again, is over at motoringstripes.com. Otherwise, uh, we are done for the evening. Uh, unless, Alex, you had one final question to ask anybody? Uh, I don't have a final question. But I just wanted to say a quick thank you to uh, Robert Duda, who is the, uh, I think he was one of the directors at, at Peppercom and in charge of the Mini USA account. Uh, and thanks to him, I was able to, to, to meet with Charlie at the, the Detroit Auto Show, which is why the, the show is happening today uh, with them both. So uh, thanks a lot, Robert. Thank you very much, Robert. Nice. All right. Now, with that, I think we're going to go and call the show. We're going to be done. This is the part of the show, gang, where I do like to make that funny clicking sound. What was that, Chad? Oh, sorry. I thought oh. it was on mute. <laughs> <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> I got dogs flying everywhere. I was like, I'm almost done. This is the part of the show where I like to make the funny clicky sound. And then I say... Questions, comments, or concerns, gang, you can go and click back over to whiteroofradio.com. There you can leave us a note in the show notes. You can also email us feedback at whiteroofradio.com. But until next week, gang, this is DB. I'm done. Cheers. See ya. A bientôt. Bye.